You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Well, hello, Blair. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us here. Blair, for the few people that may not have come across you, introduce yourself, give us your name, tell us kind of like what's going on right now, and then we'll, then we'll back up and, and dig down. So my name is Blair Tielemeyer. I have been licensed as a pharmacist for nine years now. What I primarily do today is business coaching for other pharmacy pharmacists that want to get in the consulting space. So I run a, a membership community called the Pharmapreneur Academy. And right now I'm actually working on shooting the interview sessions for a brand new, our fourth annual Elevate Pharmacy Virtual Summit. Deciding who's going to be in it, or are you actually recording the segments now? We are recording the segments right now. So we we let them go live all at once, so it's more like a conference feel. It's um, a five-day event. We air between four and five, maybe even up to six interviews a day this year, because we've got so many great speakers this year. But it's very focused on entrepreneurial opportunities for pharmacists. So Blair, we're a little slow here in Michigan. So slow down just a second here. You've got the Elevate Pharmacy Virtual Summit. And you said you have five or six people talking a day. Do people do people take the week off of work or what do they do? Do they I, I mean the listeners are the listeners listening to this at night then or what? So they can, you know, once once an interview goes live, and like I said, we don't do it live just out of uh, <laughs> logistics. So you're doing the whole Netflix like we're going to release like all of these kind of things, but you exactly. release like five a day for five days. Exactly, and you can binge watch. Generally, they're between twenty and thirty minutes, so not huge, um, you know, long. They're they're interviews with successful pharmacy owners. So the idea that I had, or successful pharmacist consultants, the idea I had was after going to many national pharmacy organization meetings, I would see these successful programs, these people talking about these amazing models that they've built. And then I, you know, I had this idea. I was like, what if they came down off the stage, off of their lecture? Hmm. And then I could sit there and have a conversation with them, like a coffee chat about well, what really happened. Like, tell me what yeah. how it really went down. What were the challenges? What would you do way differently had you, right. you know, had you it to do over? So that was the idea for the Elevate Summit was to, you know, applaud these these leaders and these innovators in the pharmacy space, but also to share their advice and their experiences with other pharmacists who are looking at them and saying, well, you know, I want to go work in a doctor's office or I want to create a, a, you know, diabetes self-management training program and not having to start from scratch, not having to figure it out every single time in every single state, in every single pharmacy but having a working replicable model that we can share with our colleagues. And so what you're doing is live. You're on camera with, not live, but I mean, you're on camera with the people. Yes. So basically you're putting out like, 
like 25 vlog casts or podcasts yes. or whatever and yes. you're doing it like you're you're releasing them like like a Netflix thing all at once. Absolutely. We can call it like a five-part series, I guess. And each day these interviews are live. They are free to view. I mean, all of this is is totally free. That's what's great oh, really? about it. Wow. I want students, I want pharmacists that can't leave their pharmacy, they can't travel. I still want them to have access to this information. So each day they go live, they're free for 48 hours. So when day three goes up, day one comes down. So there's okay. still a, a time element. It's very, you know, it's time sensitive information, but it's great because we can we can talk about things that are happening right now right. in pharmacy. Right. Now do you do you edit those or are they really live? I mean, like how like are you splicing and cutting if you talk to someone or are they pretty live? I, mean, I know they're recorded, but are they recorded live basically? So I, I do have an editor um, that basically what he does, he cuts out the pauses in between like me asking the question and them responding gotcha. just to make it a little faster. We right. usually add an introduction in the beginning too. So I'll read their bio, their, you know, and you'll see like a picture of their headshot on the screen. And it might say, you know, three key takeaways from this interview with Mike is this, 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 and this. Like, be sure to tune in if you're interested in learning more about this opportunity. And then it'll go into like our little logo and then it'll go straight into the interview. The actual interview itself is only edited for to just make it a little bit shorter for pauses. Yeah. yeah. What have you learned since the first one? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it, this is our fourth annual. Yeah. I I could probably write a book on producing a virtual summit. Is there something that you kick yourself with over the first one or or was it all real good learning stuff or is there something like you're even i don't want to say embarrassed but like is there something you kick yourself with over the early ones or is it all all like hey we needed that to to build on that to learn this yeah i mean i've tried different stuff um learned a lot about promotion of the summit well i saw your um i saw your cool it looked like you were burying a dead body in your backyard yes. with the with the yes. secret file and so on. So I followed you on that, and that that was intriguing. That was so an idea that my business coach and I had together because I believe in business coaching and investing in yourself. Yeah. And what we decided was it would be fun. I had I have these three predictions for the next 10 years in pharmacy. I saw those, yes, yes. And so the idea was I write these three predictions down in this confidential folder, bury it in the backyard, dig it up in 2030, and see if my predictions came true. Oh, uh, I, I think I still have some time capsules from when I was like eight or nine i think we buried some time capsules in a hills brothers can and most of them you dig up like two days later because you just can't stand the excitement so you dig it up and pretend like you're you know you found the the al capone voter vault or something like that but um but there's got to be some some out there still you didn't really bury anything did you we'll see (laughs) blair tell me your breakdown of your company Two things I want to know off from start. What do you do all day? In other words, 
do you are you at a desk most of the day are you in a home office are you working with anybody do you have any um, helpers and so on so that's my first question what does your day look like okay so every day is very different Um, I try to spend at least one day a week at home with my son. He's two. My daughter's five. She's in kindergarten. Okay. So family's very important. So at least one day of having my own schedule, probably three days a week looks like doing things like this, having meetings, um, developing business relationships, traveling to pharmacy conferences, whether that's as a speaker or as an attendee, um, writing emails to to my list, connecting with people on LinkedIn, and then maybe another one day a week that if a pharmacy, I only work for a few pharmacies anymore, but if a pharmacy owner that, you know, that knows me, maybe I want to go in and do an MTM consult for them, or I want to go in and they're on vacation. I go in for one day a month or something like that. So I like to have one day that's also flexible that I could go into the pharmacy and do some work there as well. So I I like variety. Do, do you feel you like that? Do you like to go into the pharmacies or do you do that to like keep your feet in it and things like that? I think I I enjoy it, but now you know, as it, it's a great way to keep my ear to the ground, right? And I I like the ideas and the patient care, and I like seeing the workflow and trying to figure out. Like for example, this year I'm looking at cash based business models for pharmacists. How can we figure out these replicable? business models that are focusing specifically on prevention. So like functional medicine type consults. So what I would be looking for in the pharmacy would be things that support the functional medicine, more holistic consults. So uh, CBD oils, uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, herbs and supplements, uh, you know, those types of products. And being in the pharmacy keeps your ear to the ground on that to see yes. some of the ads coming through and the, what the customers are asking for and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's, it is keeping, you know, that one foot in the door so that I understand what pharmacists are dealing with and the challenges that are going on right now. But I also can step back and take more of a 30,000 foot view of like, the challenges around the PBMs, like how do we yeah, right. integrate new revenue streams? So that's that's really what what I'm looking for is kind of using it as a um, I don't know a, a trial and error. What's yeah. what's going to work? Yeah, and you're kind of keeping in touch with the owner, so the owners or the people, so you can hear what they're griping about or whatever. It's easy to it's easy to read this stuff, but when you say, "Oh, I'm sure Bob's." doing this down at the shop and so he you know i could ask him or i can i know that it's really affecting somebody this national decision or something like that absolutely absolutely so it does it does help me how much do you feel you you need that i would i'd run if i could (laughs) you know i honestly it's probably going to become a time where it's it's maybe even costing me money to go work in the pharmacy. Of course, because you're not able to set something up or you're whatever. Exactly. exactly. And, and you must be close to that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
yeah, I might actually be losing money by working in the pharmacy now, but I still, I love being a pharmacist. Like I really enjoy it. So, you know, that there's that as well as that's part of, of my identity and who I am. So I, you like going in there. I can't, I can't really imagine a day that, that I'm like, no, I don't want to go in the pharmacy. I, I go in there on my days off. So how much is enough of that though? One day a month? Probably two, one or two days a month. Yeah, I'd pick one or two a year. I like it, but I was just mentioning last week. It's like when I'm a pharmacist, I either have something crappy that I've got to do that's on my mind, you know, something I have to get done that being right in the pharmacy is not allowing me to do, or I have something that I'm more excited to be doing, and I feel like like pulled down for those hours. So I've never been quite happy just being there. I guess it keeps things healthy and not boring though to always have stuff flying around your head so yeah yeah and definitely and I you know I I kind of pitch my ideas there as well so even just to the pharmacy technician yeah you know cheering about hey this new MTM program thing came out or one of the pharmacies I, I work for is at a doctor's office and so talking with the providers when they come in to yeah. you know grab a bag of peanuts or something right. like just, you know, asking them, Hey, you know, what, what's going on? How's that new CPC plus model that you guys implemented this year going? Yeah. Almost like a, like a comedian tries out their material. You're sort of exactly. like just touching on it a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Just introducing a little bit of curiosity. Yeah, exactly. Blair, what is your, don't give me any dollar figures. What is your spread of revenue now? So I know, uh, I know one twenty fifth of it is coming from your pharmacy, you know, working in the pharmacy payroll. But how much of it now is is um, you know speaking versus the sales courses versus your book you have on Amazon versus those kind of thing? What 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 percentage roughly are we looking at at this point? I would say ninety percent of our revenue comes from members of the Pharmapreneur Academy. So 90% of our revenue is direct business coaching with pharmacists who want to create consulting businesses. So we say we have three pharmapreneurial paths. And these these are paths that I made up just yeah. so we can sure. have the same language so that we're talking <laughs> yeah, right. about the same things. So the three pathways are one, consulting in the physician's office path. Okay. So that could look like you know, Blair as an independent pharmacist reaching out to the local, uh, you know, primary care clinic and saying, hey, did you know that consultant pharmacists can come in and take some of the medication management challenges that you have off your plate? Mm. The second path would be the pharmacy-based path. So that's where I'm testing business models in cash pay services and supplements and, you know, CBD sales and in traditional MTM consults. Right. And then the final pathway is the patient pay pathway, which obviously can have some overlap between the other two. I kind of yes. this whole thing is a Venn diagram. Yeah, you know, right. Different times in your career. But the cash pay pathway is instead of marketing your services to be hired by a physician's office or mm-hmm. to be hired by a pharmacy owner, you would actually be positioning your services and marketing directly to the consumer. So you're talking, all your messaging is directly to the patient. And that's 
what makes the patient pay path a little bit different in that you're not talking to another healthcare professional, you're talking to a patient at that point. Yeah, right. And that could be anything from being live to being halfway across the world like we're doing now on on the internet, right? Absolutely. So so that's primarily um, our, our revenues generated through members of the Pharmapreneur Academy so that they have access to our beginner's business blueprint, which has information about those three paths and really helps you how to get started, how to identify your target market, how to create an elevator pitch and a personal story and do cold outreach and do free consultation calls that you convert to clients, you know, and the things that we weren't taught in pharmacy school. Exactly. About how to run a business. Yeah, I've been re- I've been reading some of those that you have online. Like, what would you do in this case? You know, you're sitting at a basketball game and, you know, this doctor comes up and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, so the 90%, is any of that live teaching or is that all the, 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 the binder or the videos and those kind of things? So we do have monthly member trainings. And each month we either do a Q&A where we all hop on a Zoom call and members just ask me questions. A lot of times we'll share wins, we'll share goals, we'll try to support one another. You know, if there's some maybe connections that need to be formed in between group members. Right. You know, you're a, there was a post in the forums the other day. So there's also a forum component, uh, which is not necessarily live, but you can access it at any time. Sure. So the forum, um, there was a post in there by a new member about, hey, I'd really like to focus on, um, you know, doing mental health screenings and also maybe even pharmacogenomic testing for patients on antidepressant, antipsychotic, you know, psychiatric medications. And is anyone else doing this? And immediately we saw like two or three other people post, you know, yes, this is the program I'm working on. Yes. I've worked in psychiatric pharmacy for 10 years, you know, and it was so great because it wasn't the Blair show, you know, it wasn't Blair answering all these questions. It was community members answering these questions and supporting them. So that is exactly what I've tried to build with the Academy. It's the Pharmapreneur Academy community And we have these opportunities for live monthly training calls that people can join or watch the replay of later, you know, and then we have these, these trainings, these online courses that they are self-paced. They can go in. Oh, I see. Gotcha. You know, once you've got your, your first client, I say the beginner's business blueprint is to get you your first client. Okay. It's your first. Yes. It's like putting blinders on. Yeah. So that you don't go, oh, this would be a great model. This would be a great model. This would be a great model. Some people, they model themselves out and you're and you're so thin, you can't focus enough even to get the first customer. Absolutely. So, so this is the blinders. This is putting your blinders on so that you can get that first yes. And then we move into the implementation, implementation phase, which would be deeper dives into, say you're going to work in a physician's office, they want you to do annual wellness visits and then integrate that into a chronic care management program. You would go into the advanced learning lessons and say, 
first I need to learn more about annual wellness visits. And you click on lesson 10 and there's an hour worth of very, very curated content on, you know, CMS regulations around annual wellness visits, on care plans that you have to have, on the criteria that you need and how to build those codes. So it's like in the weeds. Yeah, right. And when I first built the academy, what what's really interesting is pharmacists told me that that's what they needed was the CPT billing codes, was the diagnosis codes, was the care plans and the templates and all that stuff. So when I started building the academy in January 2016, that's what I started with, was the very technical, very right. in the weeds, yeah. um, you know, analytical, exactly the information that you would need. And, you know, it was great and people were, were getting results, but I still was having academy members that were not taking action. They were right. stuck in this like... yeah overwhelm analysis paralysis mode. And so last summer I invested in an e-learning expert. She was a course designer that this is what she went and got her, I don't know, master's or PhD or something in was course design. Wow. And so she and I worked together to create the beginner's business blueprint. So I actually did it backwards. Yeah, from, right. You're like Star Wars where you started at episode three and went through all that. Yeah, and, now we're going back to do the pre And now you're back. So when somebody joins the program, they're joining like all three of these or do they join one at a time kind of thing? Most people, if you're joining the membership, they they just join the monthly membership, get access to all of it. Is, is your plan in your head, Blair, that that goes on for a long, long time? You're going to kind of grow with them? Do they become a member for years and years or you know are they graduated and gone or do they become a lifetime customer of yours sort of you know a, a little bit of both and and I'm conflicted by but what what I want that path to be because sure. I want them to be so successful that they don't need me right. anymore but I still want them to hang out with me yeah right exactly <laughs> because I think what in turn that does is when we have successful pharmacists stay in the community. Oh, yeah, right. They serve as expanders for other members to say, that's what I could be. Like exactly. She did it. Therefore, I can do it. Yeah. And I think that could be one of the things we're lacking in pharmacy is not having those examples of you know, how how it could be, what this could look like. what it, Where it could go. Exactly, exactly. So maybe that's like a separate tier, like once you've graduated, I don't yeah. know. I, I haven't made it that, that far, but we do have members in there that are legacy members that have been with me for years. And I, I honestly think it's just because of the community, it's access to the network and, right. you know, myself and my network that I've yeah. Do you think on average, on average, would most people, when they've gone through it, do you find that they're sticking around or do you find that after so long they feel like they're done? So six to eight months is kind of the six to eight the sweet spot for most people to gotcha. come in and join, get through the courses, get really a, an understanding of. So we're talking about. MACRA and MIPS and CMS and like 
it's like learning another language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think you could learn Italian in no. 30 days. I really, I compare it to learning an entirely new language. For sure. And being able to, you know, one thing we do is in going through the course is I have them do exercises. So it might be like post your pitch in the forum, in this forum thread, and I'll critique it. Like, gotcha. you know, I'll kind of help you through it. So obviously there, you know, when you get to a certain point in business, you may not need that, but maybe you get approached by your local state association chapter and they yep. want you to do a presentation then based on the stuff you've learned from me in the academy. Yeah. And then I want to be like, yes, absolutely. Let me help you with that presentation. Let me write that, you know, help you write that proposal and here's what I would charge. And yeah, you know, I think it's business is always about growth and that's what I want people to to take from it. Yeah, it's kind of like it reminds me almost of like Dave Ramsey, you know, the financial guy. And right. and it seems that I'll have mom once in a while when I'm taking the kids to practice or something. But that's kind of where he went. It's like his beginning years were all about getting out of debt. But then I'll turn him on a year later and I'll hear him talking about a new a new book on what retirees can do once they have their their mm-hmm. stash of money and how they're going to give that away, you know. And in other words, so he's kind of grown with his base, and that's the same thing. It's like if if your students are are growing, they they probably don't want to stop if that's the kind of person exactly you know that they are exactly. Is there anything still that you don't like about your week that you're like? I wish I had this like this person or i wish i was big enough not to do this or when i get enough of this going on i'm going to stop doing this i mean maybe it's like laundry but but is there a yes. part of, but yeah yeah you got a point there but is there is there anything that you like wake up on one day and say yeah it's wednesday i got to do this with the business Man, that that's a great question. And and it's definitely something that I do try to think about at the beginning sure. of each year. How how can I better delegate my time and how, you know, is there an opportunity to automate this? I just got back from uh, an in-person VIP day actually with my website developer trying to figure out how to automate some more of these processes. Mm. So I I do have an ultimate goal, I think in five, 10 years to essentially phase myself out of the business. And then what I want to do is to start a nonprofit and I want to be the, the CEO of a nonprofit. And that's, that's where my heart is. My heart is in, in travel and mission work and to be able to found a nonprofit that is based around pharmacy clinical services, even in places like, you know, third world countries. I I think that that is is my ultimate vision and mission. So on the day to day, I think I've done quite well at delegating out a lot of the stuff that I don't enjoy. But of course, I, I could always get get better at that, too, especially around the house. Yeah, I know. There's some stuff, though, that you 
like I've got one thing that I hold on to, and that's like cutting the lawn. I like getting on the lawnmower at home and riding around in circles, and that's <laughs> that's something that I just don't hire out. I kind of like doing it. So sometimes you just like certain stuff, you know. Your 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 mind can get away while you're doing this or that. The website was interesting because you mean there's some things on there that it's like. Why, why do we have the customer call during this step and do this? Why couldn't they just yeah. do this or jump on this program and do this and so on? So it's kind of stuff like that, some of the background stuff. Yes, absolutely. Just looking at our systems, looking at our processes, and um, you know what what things do we have a person doing that that would be better served by an automation? Yeah. And how can we then use that person in a different way? to maybe be more proactive, like reaching out to our members and saying, you know, hey, you've been a member for three months. We wanted to check in. Is there anything you need? Right. And being able to serve them better in that way. So um, in terms of that, we, you know, I I feel like we're we're on the right track. Um, I've, I've also outsourced or delegated, whatever you want to call it, a lot of my social media. So I have a social media person that interviews me like a couple times a month, nice. asks me questions and maybe I'll, I'll answer them on a zoom call or yeah, right. just via email. Right. And then she kind of takes my thoughts and, you know, the things that I'm working on and focusing on and comes up with these like great yeah conversation starters that you right. see on linkedin or on facebook almost like your helper that put the class together they're kind of getting your thoughts but they're experts in their exactly. molding of that stuff exactly so i i i do try to invest in building a really great team around me and i i encourage other pharmacists to do that as well i mean they're yeah. You know, in the startup phase, like of sure. course you you have to learn how to do these things yourself. But then the idea is to to create a system or a process around it so that you can phase yourself out of it for sure. And continue to grow. Did you have any examples of the of the website trip you were on? Do you have any examples of something that you might be thinking of switching from? And it almost and it sounded almost like you might go from person to web but then some things you were saying maybe you take maybe you then get the people involved some more personal way absolutely so uh, one of the things that we had talked about was our cancellation process Mm. so because it's a recurring membership uh, people join either at a monthly membership fee or they join at an annual membership fee gotcha right now most people probably you know I don't know, 85, 90% of our people are joining at the monthly rate. So what we're seeing is if we have our team be proactive and reach out to them at the three-month mark, when we know a lot of people will hopefully have their business model and the results yeah. that they want in place by six to eight months, right? we can reach out to them and just say, you know, hey, there's there's this opportunity to upgrade to the annual so that you can go ahead and get your success and yeah. get your results, but then still be able to have access to the community and access to Blair. And so that was one of the the processes that we're talking through, how to change that cancellation process um, to, you know, maybe they only want access to the forum or maybe they want to 
upgrade to an annual plan that actually saves money in the long run. Sure. You know, what, what are some of the options that they have to be able to point them to specific resources like, oh, you're doing yes. annual wellness visits in a blah, blah, blah. You should connect with this other academy member who's doing yes. the same thing and you guys work together on it. It's almost impossible to replicate that on the computer unless you've got AI, I guess. How many hours does it take for your business right now? Like, let's say you're doing 30 hours worth or 25 hours. How many other people or hours are involved to run this every week on average or maybe per month? I know you got people involved. You got the web web, and you've got the social media. Who else do you have involved? And, and how, how many total hours would that be, would you say, per week that it takes to run things? I know it goes in phases, right? Because you yeah. have sometimes you're putting out this huge project and it's taken forever to do. Yeah. So, you know, the, the month of January has been probably three eight to 10 hour days a week of calls and interviews and setting up calls and interviews. You know, a lot of it is administrative. And then do you have any kind of, I know you got the social person and you might have some web help. Do you have any other like outsourced help that you use for your business? I have a virtual assistant. And so she she's the one that does like, if you if you need to cancel or if you have a customer service inquiry, she's the, the contact point for all of our customer service stuff for Academy members. Gotcha. And so she's the one that will be doing the the outreach and the cancellations and gotcha. the surveying and all that stuff. So how much time is she putting in a week, would you say? Uh, I believe I have her contracted for 20 hours a month. So five hours. Oh, okay. All right. So she's returning some calls and things like that. And where, where is she located? Doing some of our emails. She's in Florida. In Florida. Yeah, and I'm in Arkansas. So she Isn't does. That cool? She does our emails. Um, she we we do. We also do a newsletter for Academy members every okay. week that just says like, here's what you may have missed in the forums. Like here's you know our upcoming member call this month. Usually it's the last Tuesday in every month that we have like the Q and A or yeah. Um, Throughout the, the beginning of 2020, we've actually got my mentors and business coaches coming into the academy and doing special trainings for academy members. So I'm really, really excited for that, too, that they can get access to to my business coaches and my mentors. These are people that you actually used back in 15, 16, or these are people that you, these are not just people that you authors and things you look up to. These are people you've actually used. These are people I've worked with, still work with today. Still today that are giving, that are kind of like your, your board in your mind, like to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is my executive board members kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. Well, we have to get back to the dirt now. So you didn't start all this. You were in a profession and things didn't go the way you thought. Right. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, this was 2014 when, you know, I know today we're seeing a lot more market saturation and jobs being eliminated. But in 2014, it was relatively stable. It's relatively okay. Yeah. And I was working as a clinical hospital pharmacist. I was six months pregnant with my daughter, my first child. Yeah. And I got the news that 
my position was being eliminated. They were cutting me to part-time and I would not have uh, access to health insurance or 401k or any of those, you know, full-time employee benefits. So I definitely had like an, oh my goodness, I'm six months pregnant. I'm the primary breadwinner. What am I going to do? And You know, being six months pregnant, that's not a great time to be looking for another full-time job. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, hey, I need you to hire me for two months and then uh, give me a full-paid maternity leave. Yeah, they're not legally supposed to ask that stuff, but you couldn't couldn't hide it too well. No, there was no hiding it. It's like the stars in in the the sitcoms where, like, they carry, like, a, a wastebasket while they're in this scene and stuff like that. You couldn't do that through the whole interview. Yeah, I, I'm just wearing my bathrobe today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, so yeah, that was the moment that I was like, you know, what what am I going to do? But then I, I was also a little bit, I don't know, disillusioned by the idea of getting another job. So, How, how long had you been in pharmacy by that point? Uh, I had worked for that particular place for two and a half years. And how long had since you had graduated then? Three and a half. Okay, so you were relatively fresh out of yeah. out of school. Mm-hmm. And yeah. was that a downsizing of the company? It was a small rural hospital. It was, you know, a, just a symptom of what we see going on in healthcare with the decreasing reimbursements, and they right. just, you know, they just didn't have. Right. There was only two full-time pharmacists, so it was me or the director. <laughs> so, so it wasn't I, a, but good to know it wasn't a downsizing of Blair. It was a downsizing no, of your position. So that's no, good. It it was and there's no hard feelings or anything. Yeah, right. Exactly. But there was this thing that, you know, in the back of my mind I kept going, I've always wanted to start a business. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I was in school, I thought it was owning a pharmacy. Yeah. And, you know, I I didn't feel like that was the right path I was looking for. So I started listening to podcasts like, you know, Pat Flynn's podcast and Ferris's podcast and, you know, some of these more business oriented. And finally, I ran across a podcast called the Biz Chicks podcast. Huh. And I started listening to her and she was talking about her name's Natalie Ekdahl and she was, you know, just really focused on female entrepreneurship and marketing and leveraging social media and doing this thing called online business. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'm curious enough about it that I want to figure that out. What was your mindset, Blair, at the time where you were thinking, okay, I'm going to have eight months off anyways because I got two months more pregnancy and then some, you know, maternity time or or were you like freaking out or were you okay? You knew you had a little bit of time. I decided what I would do instead of going back and, you know, I, I think it's funny now that I think of having a full-time job as a riskier investment. Exactly. Having multiple income streams. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was like, I never want to be in that position. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I'm That's going what to it is. Out multiple revenue streams. Right. So at the same time as I was figuring out this whole consulting thing, I have a lot of uh, friends and people that knew me 
as someone who would come in and work PRN. So I, I did a lot of relief work gotcha. as a clinical hospital pharmacist because I had worked weekends. So I had days off. So people around knew. And you knew maybe you could pick up another day there. So you were not like, you knew you weren't probably out on the street. Yes. Yes. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't um, going to be homeless or anything. I Gotcha. Luckily, had a, a decent enough network that I was able to pick up the phone and say, "Yeah, hey, I just, you know, I just got all my hours cut. You got any hours for me?" Yeah, right. So in building that back up, I, you know, I did okay. I didn't take as long of the maternity leave as I wanted to. But what's interesting is some of those pharmacy owners that I started working relief on the bench for was like. Hey, you've got this clinical background. Yeah. You've been working in a hospital, seeing patients and, you know, rounding with doctors and all this cool stuff. We've got this thing called MTM and we can't keep up with right. the patients and the opportunities that are coming up. And it's just like free money that's left on the table Yes, that we're not capitalizing on. So in my head, I went, is that my, is that my business? Right. To build a, an MTM consulting business. And so I I started doing it, just testing it, fell in love with it. Like, you know, I I was fine with being a hospital pharmacist. It wasn't like the joy of my life, like right. jumped out of bed every morning. But when I found MTM consulting, I loved it. I dug into it and I I did. I decided Midway through 2015, after I had had my daughter and after I had really just kind of been making ends meet for right. a while, that I was going to focus 200% of my efforts on building this MTM business. And I even turned down, I got offered a director of pharmacy position at a local, a, another local hospital that was at one county over. And I turned it down. And my husband thought I was crazy. My wow. mom thought I was crazy. You yeah. know, they're like, why would you turn down a director of pharmacy position? And right. I just said, I just have to do this other thing. I just have to try it. Right. And that, that job will probably still be there. And I think it's probably still there. But you yeah, know, right. it was like, this is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. So at, towards the end of 2015, I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in with both feet. I want to hire a business coach. I want her to help me, you know, do this, really build this business and grow this business in the Northeast Arkansas and Southeast Missouri area. Luckily, I hired the right person. I hired Natalie Ekdahl and she was such a fabulous coach because she taught me to look so much bigger than what I was thinking in you know, just having this local consulting business. So she really encouraged me to think more broad and, you know, that I had this replicable business model that was working really well for me, was providing for my family. Why don't you just teach other pharmacists how to do this as well? I, I already had people reaching out to me on LinkedIn saying, what is an MTM consultant? Like, what are you doing? And I was so passionate about it. I was writing blogs for free just about everything I was learning, about everything I was doing. And Natalie was the one that really came along and said, why don't you just teach other pharmacists how to do this too? 
When did you go from being a part-time employee of the pharmacy doing MTMs to being your own thing? Or were you ever doing that? Were you always a contractor? Were you always that when you were doing MTMs? Or when was your first time where you were you were getting paid for an MTM as a business owner? So you can, you can do MTMs as an independent subcontractor, like a 1099 employee. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was easier to just say, this is my hourly bench rate. This is my retainer fee for MTM consulting and just make that two separate like rates, two separate fees. So, so I, at the beginning, it was just an employee relationship. They held out taxes. I didn't have to figure out estimated taxes or anything. They'd pay you so much per month as a retainer. As a and retainer. Then, and then pay you per MTM or, or whatever. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, gotcha. So, yeah, the, you know, definitely there's, based on, I think, what the pharmacy wants in terms of do they want to set you up as an employee or do they want to set you up as an independent subcontractor? You could kind of go either way. And and that's some of the stuff that we talk about in the Academy is like, here's the pros and cons of each, like right. the, the pros of being employees, you don't have to figure out taxes. You know, the, the con would definitely be, you know, you don't have as much flexibility as yeah. in terms of being able to d- deduct business expenses and things like that. Yeah. At some point, you had to make the decision between saying, "Can I, can I scale MTM pharmacists below me versus yes. doing this?" Is everybody sort of in that position, or have you seen anybody scale this with an MTM company with MTM pharmacists? Yeah, so um, several of the academy members have scaled it. Um, you know, one of our members, Paula, she actually built her MTM consulting business. I think she had 11 pharmacies at one point that she was consulting for. And what was interesting about that is she she ended up actually taking a, another job. It was like a dream job that she decided and kind of handed the business over to her protege. We have a, another pharmacy uh a Pharmapreneur Academy member who decided to scale the business, start hiring residents and licensed pharmacists to work under her. And now she's focused solely on the business development part of it. So, yeah, you know, like, like any business, it's, it's as diverse as the people that, that run them. And it's, it's about what you want. And there was a time that I said, do I want to run an MTM consulting firm right. and begin hiring pharmacists to work under me? Or do I want to be a business coach to help other pharmacists right. create these types of businesses? Knowing that you had entrepreneurial blood, when would you have done something if you did not get let go? And what do you think that would have been? That's a really good question. Maybe never, right? Maybe never. Maybe maybe that that was the thing that shoved me off my path. And you know, I think a lot of pharmacists are we're, we are in a time that job stability is not as sure as it once was. You know, market saturation is a real thing. We're seeing age-related discrimination for pharmacists that are well-paid 
Yeah. And right. There there's there's so much more pressure on the job market right now that I think a lot of pharmacists are either seeing the writing on the wall and saying, "Hey, I I need to kind of figure this out sooner rather than later." Or they come to me and and they say, you know, listen, I've, you know, I've just, my position's been eliminated. I don't know what to do. And so, you know, it's, it is something that, that I feel there's lots of change going on. I call it career climate change. Right. But what it is doing is it's opening up these conversations for okay, well, what would it look like if we created a business model that places pharmacists in primary care centers right. and still provides a great return on investment for yeah. that practicing consultant? Yeah. So my vision, you know, I talked about for the next tw- 10 years in pharmacy. Right. Part of my vision is for pharmacists to be as commonplace in clinics as nurse practitioners and PAs were, you know, yeah. 20, 20 years ago, no one had heard of a nurse practitioner in primary care. Exactly. I want pharmacists to be the nurse practitioners in the next 10 years of, yeah. you know, of, of being able to integrate themselves into the healthcare system. Yeah. Right. What's your favorite three hours of the week work related? What are you doing during those three hours? I like writing. So writing emails, I, I would say that's probably one of my... Sales emails or just responses to people and things? Like um, like a sales or informational email. To, that's going to be go out to a, a mass. Yeah. My thoughts um, on trends that are going on in pharmacy, like cool things I've written. I, I want to... One of my goals for 2020 is to send out a monthly recap um, report basically on what's going on in pharmacy, in consulting, in, you know, what, what I see these opportunities are as, you know, a free service for people that sign up for our email list. So yeah, something I really enjoy doing. And yeah, uh, it's something I think writing has always been one of my favorite mediums of, of expressing myself. What was the goal of your book that you have out is that like a perfect integration or was that going to be something that is more or is less than you thought it would be so the book is interesting because i didn't write that book that book is the first six lessons in the academy gotcha so i told you i built it backwards so i built the advanced learning lessons with all the tactical information that people told me they wanted exactly so what i did was I, throughout the beginning of 2016, I created those, those first six lessons and then eventually built on lessons seven to 13. Okay. Um, that were more focused on pharmacists in the primary care space. But the first six lessons are essentially an overview of all the opportunities for consultants. Gotcha. So I took those lectures, ripped the audio uploaded it to um, Rev, a transcription service, yeah. got the um, transcripts, formatted them in Google Docs, made, you know, make sure they were edited, things were spelled correctly. That's not easy. 
No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But it probably would have been easier to just write it, honestly. But uh, <laughs> but I used the transcripts to kind of have have a basis since it was already it was already done. Yeah. So the editing part sent it off to someone who who made it look really nice and yeah. and spell checked and did all those things. Right. And then we were able to make a, a Kindle book out of it and then a physical book. And finally, uh, it's an it's an audible book now, too. Yeah. I know people like people like that. Yeah, I don't I don't read anymore. I'm audible in the car. Audible. Is that right? You know, at home. Yeah, I I don't I rarely pick up a paper book. Anymore. Yeah. Would you ever like to write fiction? Yes. Yeah, I think. Do, do you read fiction? I do, yeah. Probably, I probably read more um, memoirs and bibliography type. Yeah, nonfiction right now, um, but I think it would be cool to write a fiction based on like maybe some kind of pharmacist, like yeah, heroin, you know, <laughs> or hero. I guess I could be a hero. <laughs> I don't read much fiction, but I always thought it'd be kind of cool to write it. And mm-hmm. my my book I was write was going to be called Hung Jury. And there was these 12 jurors, but they couldn't try the case because they were all ending up dead by being hanged. <laughs> That's as far as I got. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I got like a tenth of the first chapter done, so that's that's all I got. Well, I I want to write a book. I want to write a screenplay. Um, I want to do a documentary on the state of community pharmacy and pharmacists. Like my whole drive, my whole mission is to change the perception of pharmacists. Like right, we can offer so much more than we currently are. Yeah. And just based on our training, like our knowledge of biochemical pathways and right. all that stuff, like I see the pharmacist as the person that can, we can take what we know about Western medicine, but we can also get down with the natural herbal sure. supplements and stuff with the preventative medicine. Right. To be that bridge of like, I, I kind of, you know, I get why your essential oils work or your CBD or whatever. Like being that person that can take the holistic alternative approaches from yeah. like the crunchy fringes and yeah. bring it more into mainstream healthcare. Like yeah. I think the pharmacist is the perfect person to do that. Yes. Because of our training in medicinal chemistry. Yeah. I was talking to one of my prior guests and he was saying that quite often the herbals and things they fall into they fall in the hands of people that say this is great and they use more sales adjectives than that you know or it falls in the hands of people that don't trust it don't know where to start and call it quackery but there's nobody really in the middle Mm -hmm. that you can trust and we all know that many different actual medicines come from plants of course and so exactly. it's 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 not something that you can it's not something that you can just throw out so blair if your vision of the uh nonprofit comes let's say in 10 years maybe 5 mm-hmm. or 10 years probably 10 yeah what would you really like to be doing for th- your business what would you really like to be spending your time on or doing just like you're doing now? 
So one of the things that, you know, whenever I talk about changing the profession of pharmacy, we don't have a leader. We don't have a Dr. Oz. What I would like to be for pharmacy is that person that's going out and saying to Good Morning America or whatever, go talk to your local pharmacist about, you know, whatever it is, weight management, uh, right. you know, diabetes consulting, CBD oils, supplements, herbs, nutrient depletion, whatever it is. Right. But I, I want to be able to say, yes, your local pharmacist can do this and having them, you know, having them ready to go and ready to accept this challenge, you know, right. So that I can go out and promote and say, pharmacists are doing all these amazing things. And then also having them trained up enough to where they can do it. Like it's right. You know, yeah, let's make an appointment. So what steps do you take to get there in in five years? You're going to be on the Today Show and you're going to be, we might even see you there on New Year's Eve because you're there with, uh, I don't know, what's the guy's name? Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest yeah. or Anderson Cooper. And you're there bringing in the New Year or something. So what's your path to that in five years? I wish I knew. Um, that that make things a lot easier, but maybe less interesting. I'm my path is to continue what I'm doing. So I have a speaking coach. I have a PR coach. Gotcha. I have speaking a, in that. A business coach. I have a web developer. I have such a team around me that you know it's it's not about my mission. My my mission is to advance the profession of pharmacy. Period. It says it on you know a tagline on my website. Yeah so that pharmacists can have a bigger impact, so that we can have a seat at the healthcare table. And everything I do, you know, every meeting I take, I I talked to um, a physician that worked on the Steps Forward program at the American Medical Association the other day. And just trying to advocate for pharmacists to say, you know, yes, if this can help with provider burnout. If this can help physician productivity and profitability, we owe it to our physician colleagues to go out and tell them about the value of pharmacist service. Yeah. So I I don't know the steps that it's going to take to get there, but I definitely see the and and have a bigger vision for what I'm going to do on on that platform. Okay, let me ask this. If somebody said that's not needed or something happened where everything's fine with pharmacy, wouldn't it still be cool to be a national spokesperson for something? In other words, this isn't all for pharmacy, Blair. There's something that would be really cool about being a national spokesperson, the Dr. Oz of something. Am I right? Or is it just a love of pharmacy and and what it can do and all that? You know, I'm okay with just staying here in Arkansas and, you know. You're a fantastic builder. I'm, I've known from all the stuff that you've done, but seeing you and your methodical thinking and all that of just going through things and step by step, I just see you as like, okay, we're building and the next step is doc, is Dr. Oz. That's what Blair does, Dr. Oz. And so if we took pharmacy away, though, I think you still belong there. Well, thank you. I Nah. I've... 
I don't know. You know, I'm, I never pictured myself in the position that I'm in right now. And I can see it all over your face. I mean, you belong there. You know what I'm saying? And so you belong with Dr. Oz. Well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. If, if people were to say, you know what, we're good. Pharmacy doesn't need to grow. Like we're happy where we're at. Then I would be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go do something else. I'll, yeah, I, I'm going to be a travel planner or something. Like, I don't know what I would do. Coaching is not just a, a book. It's a coach who's saying, come on, we're going to do this now. Just like a football coach would be. They're they're trying to lift you up when you're down and give you some direction. They they push you out of your comfort zone. Push you. That's they what I'm looking for. help you become more self-aware. Some of the best investments that I've made are mindset trainings are, um, you know, thinking, really thinking through the, the intention that I want to have. So when I, you know, when I come on a a podcast to talk about this, what is the intention behind it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking through these, these mindset challenges and really trying to push yourself out from, what helped me was the idea of like, I'm not being a pushy salesperson, right. but if people don't know about yeah. this opportunity, That's right. then I'm doing them a disservice because I feel so strongly about the services that I can offer and the results yeah. that I know I can get them Yeah, if they would just allow me to help them. I've had people say before that they don't feel like a salesman in pharmacy. And I'm like, anybody's a natural salesperson when they believe in what they have. Yes. And I gave the yeah. example to this person about maybe having a family member who's in pain and they didn't know they could take, let's say, Tylenol and ibuprofen at the same time. And you said, yes, you can, you know, and yeah. and it's like, and you might even walk under the counter and sell it this and that. You're not trying to sell. You're trying to you're trying to solve something and it's like, oh, that, that's sales. You just didn't realize it because you you were helping them so much. Absolutely. I had a friend the other day that, you know, I knew she was doing this keto diet um, in intermittent fasting. I said, you really should be taking a multivitamin if you're going to follow a very strict keto diet. And she said, I can't swallow pills that big. I said, you can take an adult gummy vitamin. You know, it was it was just so simple. She never even thought of it never that way. Of it. And I'm like, I, I'm not telling you that you need a vitamin because I'm not the person selling it to you. But I'm telling you as a friend, you need a vitamin. And here's a gummy vitamin that meets your needs. My wife and I were coming home today and at our high school, my daughter was actually the cause of an accident about 10 years ago because most of the people coming from one direction turn in and, and the other people turn in. Everybody turns. Everybody turns. And and one year she thought everybody turns, but not everybody turns. Some people keep going down the road and she turned in front of the person. Yeah. You know? So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting we're we're talking today about the traffic and I'm thinking and they tried to help by doing this like yield road, like this road that comes in gradually and so on. And I'm trying to think of like pretty soon I'm talking like bridges and you know, bridges and tunnels and stuff. And I said, oh they could put a traffic light there. You know, yeah, I got so yeah. far down the road that it was, it was, uh, sometimes, sometimes they're simple solution is the best. <laughs> sometimes they're simple answers. All right. So Blair, five, 10 years from now, you kind of sell the business, you do this and you start doing your, your vision of your nonprofit. What are you doing 
in that? What does your day look like there after you're up and successful? Are you also Dr. Oz for that? Or or are you, you know, sweeping the hallways? What What is your goal? What are you doing 15 years from now once that gets going? What do you love to do during the day when this nonprofit's going strong for five years? Yeah, so it would still be speaking, um, you know, being a, a national resource for, for pharmacists and organizations. It would be fundraising. It would be um, continuing to build business models for, for pharmacies. The only difference would be it would be a nonprofit and gotcha. maybe based in like Costa Rica. <laughs> of course. My dad always said, why he's past me. So why do they always have these corporate meetings? You know, it's always warm someplace. You know, they never do it in Detroit or something like that. Yes. For my pharmacy, you know, we're a corporation, but I, you know, I'm the president and vice president and secretary and treasurer. And so when I have my annual meeting, you know, I should, I feel like I should go to Hawaii or something yes. and just sit there by myself and kind of just talk to myself and CEO day. Yeah. CEO day. What are your favorite three modes of, communication like if i said you could only keep a few things like email linkedin or this or what what are like your top things that you're like yeah these are important for our goals are there any three or four companies that you'd be you'd be kind of sad if they were gone yeah definitely linkedin is is linkedin's good yeah yeah is linkedin is huge for connecting with pharmacists who are either looking for new positions or yeah. they're just trying to figure out what's out there in terms of opportunities. Yeah. Um, we do run Facebook ads so that, you know, we can continue to make pharmacists aware. I mean, there's 300,000 pharmacists out there. Yeah. And only, yeah. you know, only a handful of those, only a tiny fraction of those are, are aware of the Academy and what, what we're doing with Elevate Summit. So, so that's a big, big part of the strategy um, yeah. in making them aware of these opportunities. Right. Um, the Elevate Summit is our free virtual event that gives people an idea of what opportunities there are out there. So it's like the what and then the Pharmapreneur Academy, if they want to join, get access to the courses, access to me, access to our monthly member calls, that's the how. That's, gotcha. That's the steps for how to implement these, you know, these business models, these innovative yeah. services that we introduce in, you know, in the Elevate Summit. With these... Um... You know, twenty-five interviews. Let's say that you're having for the Elevate Summit. That that's when you have that in the spring, right? Yeah, or it's April eighth through the twelfth. Eighth through the twelfth of twenty twenty. That'll be our fourth annual summit. Fourth annual. Wow. It's crazy. And the first time I ever did it was in twenty seventeen. It was such a gamble. It was. I had no idea if it was going to work. This is the first time a virtual pharmacy conference had ever been created. I had attended virtual summits in other industries, but what's great about having, you know, a toe in the online business space and coaches and mentors and people that are not pharmacists 
is that they see all these other yeah. industries. You right. know, there's a real estate virtual summit. There's a yes. Uh, you know, insurance providers virtual. Yes. Summit. There's all these things. There wasn't a pharmacy virtual summit. So interesting. I was like, you know what? I have no idea if anybody's going to sign up for this at all. I put, I think, five grand of my own money into the the very first virtual summit. I had no idea if it was going to work. And then, interestingly enough, um, around the same time as the summit, our tax bill from the previous year, oh. 2016, came due. When I had the 12 different jobs. You yeah. Know, and right, right. They don't tell you if you have 12 different jobs, you should probably withhold <laughs> as a single with no dependents. Yeah. Because <laughs> the algorithm does not get you straight. So, yeah, I got the tax bill, $17,000 that I owed wow. in taxes for, for when I filed the 2016 taxes. Guess how much money I made on the first virtual summit? You made 17. 17. Wow. I mean, it it was like so... And and that's why this holds a special place in my heart. I mean, I have a tattoo of the Elevate Summit logo on my arm. Whoa. All right. How'd you make money on the Virtual Summit? Because you told me it was free. It is. So where do you make money then on it? So on people seeing the opportunities that we're talking about in on the summit. That's right, because we talked about it being the, the, the invitation to there's more out there. There's more out there. Here's these ideas. Here's these innovative business models. Here's right. other pharmacists to show you this can be done and you right. can be successful. So this is the Elevate Summit is the what. Yeah. And then the academy is the how. Yeah. So then, you know, you join the summit, you get all pumped up, like, yes, I want to do this. I, I'm ready to get my first client. Yeah. What's the next step? Well, I hope that that next step is coming to work with me in the academy. And so the official money comes from them getting into the academy. Yes. Right. And you you were able to tie those together because you're like, it's not just by chance that our sales go up or they use some kind of a logon code or something like that or. Yeah. So the, the virtual summit ticket is all done via email. So all of this is done via email, you know, making the offers, they can sign up for the Academy. So it's all provided digitally. When you said you made the money, you were able to, you were able to correlate the sales oh, of yes. farmpreneur right yes. directly to that because they they're using a certain buy code or a coupon code yes. or whatever. So that's how you can tell exactly what that did for you. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. It was it was such an amazing moment and you know, that was one of the moments that is like, okay, I I am on the right track. Like this heck yeah you know hell that i've gone through for the past five months and putting this together and all the money that i had put into it not right having any idea if it was gonna work yeah you know now i get to send it into the irs so yeah it all worked out if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have had that 17 grand exactly so someone's listening to this they said hey i'd like to check that out and you said you said as long as they're kind of doing it in time, it's it's 
it's free. Eventually they can say, give me all of these. I'm going to do it a month later. But yeah. they just they just log on and maybe sign up. Yes, it's at elevatepharmacysummit.com. So you'll, you'll log into the, um, you'll just type that in your browser. You'll land right on our main landing page that'll give you the dates. It'll say, you know, sign up, get your free ticket here. You'll put your best email address in, um, you know, click sign or sign up now. And then you're going to get an email from me saying, you know, congratulations, you're registered. Make sure to whitelist my email address just so that this doesn't get sent to junk mail or spam. Right. That's a great idea. Let's tell people ahead of time, whitelist me so that this doesn't go to spam and so on. Right. So then, you know, they'll get a confirmation email It'll say, it'll send, I'll send reminders out as time gets closer and leading up to the summit, you know, summits next week, make sure that you set aside, you know, two to three hours uh, to, to go through. Right. And, And honestly, I don't expect anyone to watch all of the videos for every single day. Gotcha. I think the best use of the summit is to go watch the videos you're interested in and, you know, I'm really about, like I said, with the blueprint, put your blinders on. Like right. if you kind of know the direction that you want to go in on one of those three paths that I talked about. Right. Just stop with the information seeking. Yeah. And focus in on this is the direction that, that I want to go and make that decision. I'm only going to watch the summit interviews that pertain to this. And then you'll get through them no problem because the goal of it is not it's it's not necessarily the the answers would be do i want to do more it's not necessarily did i miss this certain step because it's more of a invitation exactly it's not all or nothing it's not like you have to attend every single lecture to to take something away from it knowing what you know now would you would you would you choose pharmacy again absolutely if i get to be where I'm at right now. Everything that pharmacy's given me and done for me, absolutely. So I think I don't think I would pick pharmacy in the traditional sense. Say this business goes away tomorrow. Yeah. I am waking up Wednesday morning, going to a local provider's office, trying to figure out how I can go work for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not applying to Walmart or Walgreens or anything like that because that's not the type of pharmacy I want to be involved with. Knowing that, let's say it's, you know, let's say it's the year 2010 and you're, you can see some of these possibilities for Blair. She's either doing this or she's going to a doctor's office and doing that. Is, is pharmacy, would you say, yes, I'll take that. I'll take that gamble. Let's go. Let's sign up for pharmacy school. I think so. I think so. If if I had it to do over again, I still think I would go to pharmacy school. Hopefully I would have found someone like myself who is a consultant and been able to still get into consulting some way or another. I, I believe that I'm on the right path enough that if time reversed... And I wake up in 2010 and I'm back in pharmacy school, then I'm still going to find my way back to consulting. What would you do if you, if pharmacy didn't exist? Let's say you, let's say you couldn't take any medical path. 
Okay. You couldn't take a medical path. Well, what was it back then if it wasn't going to be pharmacy? What was your second choice at that time? Um, so back then, I mean, I've wanted to be a pharmacist. I've worked in a pharmacy since I was 17. Oh, I gotcha. So, so I, I grew up wanting to be a pharmacist. Um, for a while, I thought maybe this looks like a new drug discovery. Maybe I go live in the Amazon rainforest and yeah. dis- discovered new, new drugs by testing plants or yeah, something. I right. don't know. Right. Talk to the shamans in the yeah. Amazon basin and figure out what they're using for traditional medicine. Yeah, right. Um, so that was that was kind of the idea I had, and gotcha. I, I feel like I'm coming back around to it now. Right. With some of the work that I'm doing in functional medicine, and, yeah, right. You know, integrative nutrition, and okay, you know, I think I, I've always been interested in that. How how can we kind of bring that back around from these ancient ways into traditional Western medicine? Right. How do we marry those two? So, so that's always been my, my interest. Okay. So I can't choose pharmacy. I can't choose medicine. You're out of high school. You can't choose pharmacy. You know that you have entrepreneurial skills, but you can't do anything health related. Do you, A, do you even go to school? Do you even go to college? And B, if you say, yeah, I want to get a college degree, what would it be in? I would always choose the college degree just because that's our culture. I would like to say I would be cool enough to be like, no, I don't need to go to college. I'm going to Elon Musk it or whatever. You know, like, so I would like to say I would be cool enough to do that, but I probably would still go to college for something. That, that takes guts. That takes an immense amount of guts. For every person that makes it to the top that way, there's 99.9% of the people that you can label them as a failure because they, which isn't fair, but because they don't have the farm, they don't have a, a, a college degree behind them. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I would, so you would go and what would it be? I would go, um, I really love my world lit classes. So I'd probably be like, I don't know, some kind of, uh, English literature major yeah, and um, maybe, like I said, maybe like a dive master. Like I could, I could see myself working in the hospitality industry, like tourism. Yeah. I love to travel. Um, I, I think being a tour guide would be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that would probably be, um, you know, something that maybe that's a, a retirement plan for yeah. my, my retirement career. One of my sons is in the, um, he's going to follow that path, you know, like you mentioned oh, about cool. the literature and so on. Yeah. Yeah. What business, if, if right now someone said, Blair, you have to do something business wise, you've got to make money for your family. Would you try to repeat what you're doing here in another field? Could you think of a business though that would go along with those kind of things? Would 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 you, would you find a, a somewhere a niche still in the travel industry or have you ever thought about other other fields of businesses you would do? So, my business coach and I had a conversation about that this morning that we could take the business skills, the marketing skills that we know now and apply it to almost any business. And I think it would be successful. So I think I would hone in on something in the membership 
model. I, I like the uh, the membership model. I like the recurring revenue. Sure. I, I like the, you know, getting clients that, you know, you can, you can expect to continue to buy for right. you. So sure. one of the interviews I did for last year's Elevate Summit was with a pharmacy owner in Memphis who charges uh, his patients $50 a month for the membership and they get all their medications at cost. There's mm-hmm. no insurance billing. There's, you know, no nothing like that. Mm-hmm. That's their, their model. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's so fantastic that a lot of the people that are his patients are lower income. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I think I would, I would still focus if I had to build another business right now, I would focus on something with recurring membership, recurring, whether that's a monthly or an annual membership. And, you know, maybe it would be travel related. Yeah. You mentioned some things It could be, you know, you're going to, you're going to turn someone into, you know, a, uh, a scuba, you know, something or other, or you're going to, but you're going to do that through a program where they can then bond with other people and maybe meet up at destinations and all that kind of stuff. You can use a lot of the stuff you've done, the same model basically for a lot of things probably. Yes. Yeah. I think, I really think that once you build these business skills, once you've kind of understand how to make an offer, how to do an elevator, how to do a proposal. I've got people asking me to do stuff that is not advertised on my website at all, but you know, they're, they're asking me to do this stuff because they, they're like, well, you know, we, we thought you could figure it out. Like, you know, you, you, you are able to kind of build your airplane after you've jumped off the cliff and you're on your way down. You know the path. Well, Blair, pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I I love talking to other entrepreneurs and and some of the stuff that you know the brainstorming and the ideas that come out of it. It's just so much fun. Well, Blair, really nice meeting you. I look forward to keeping in touch and best wishes on that summit coming up. You can get your free ticket. It's elevatepharmacysummit.com. It's April 8th through the 12th. And I would I would love to have you guys, you know, come share it, share it with your colleagues too. It's it's going to be a great event. So it offers a lot of food for thought for some people and for some people, a lot of hope in this time where pharmacy shifting. So that sounds like the right direction to shift to. That's my goal. If it offers someone hope, it was all worth it. Yes, that's right. All right, Blair. Take care. We'll be in touch. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes. Thank you.